Somebody, in Matthew 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, being John the Baptist, had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and and they said to Jesus, Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and show John again, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And in Luke uh, 7 and verse 21, just go there for a second, Luke 7 and verse 21 it says, and in that same hour, it's the same description, uh, and in that same hour, Jesus cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and unto many that were blind he gave sight. And he, he said to them, go and tell John what you see and hear. And they came and they said, are you here that we should, that should come or do we seek another? And I want to talk this morning a little bit about encountering Jesus. These disciples encountered Jesus, didn't they? And the reality is that in some way or other, each person will have an encounter with Jesus. Because the Lord's heart is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And here, John has had doubts, hasn't he? And... Jesus said, go and show John again those things which you do see and hear. Now, in those days, to see, you had to be there. Maybe you could see a painting or something, but in our day we can say, yeah, I can show you something on YouTube or on the television or whatever. There are different ways of seeing, aren't there? But he said, you go and show and tell John again those things which you see and hear Jesus is expressing, isn't he, through what he's been doing and by his word, why he came. Why he came. He said, uh, why he came. And so it is, an encounter with Jesus will bring an unforgettable change in a life, won't it? And I was just thinking as we were sitting there, if Christ himself opened that door that Joseph fixed the hinge of on Friday night and came walking in here, I'd stop listening to me, I'd be over there before you could jump out of your chair and so would you, we'd be, we'd be flopped around Christ, wouldn't we? We'd be touching him, we'd be hanging on to him, we'd be kissing him, we'd be embracing him, we'd be receiving from him, wouldn't we? Well, I would be. We would be, wouldn't we? Hallelujah. We would be. But Christ is here. And for you and I in this room, we have had an encounter with Jesus. And when we've had an encounter with Jesus, we can never be the same again. Never be the same again. Jesus 
told those disciples and they went back and we know that John had his head chopped off. Why did he have his head chopped off? Because he was preaching righteousness. Because he told Herod, you can't have your brother's wife. And eventually it cost him his life. And he was a forerunner. He was a voice preparing the way for the Lord, wasn't he? And these people had an encounter with Jesus. And you and I should be changed by the encounter that we have had and we do have. And Laurie was talking about uh, being away at the conference uh, calling, which was called Limitless and, and uh, the focus being that we should spend time with the Lord as much as we can. Now we have lives and we do things and so forth but the Lord never leaves us. So when we get up and I used to travel the city you know, be on 6.30 or 6.15 train in the morning or something. Well, the Lord didn't stay at home while I went to work. <laughs> in fact, it was him that took me to work. I probably wouldn't have gone. Um, and an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. And change must take place, mustn't it? We've been worshipping this morning. Who can be the same after worshipping in the presence of the Lord? A change takes place. And come to John 3, which is a very well-known encounter. There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Notice that Jesus chose very ordinary people as his disciples, just like you and me. Hello. He hadn't chosen Nicodemus as one of his disciples, although Nicodemus became a disciple, didn't he? And Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now that's insightful, isn't it? That's a, that's a, a, a statement from no doubt observation, because Jesus had been going about doing all these things in public, hadn't he? He'd been ministering in the synagogues and he'd been out publicly ministering. And Nicodemus said, Lord, or Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. And we don't know why Nicodemus came at night. I like to sometimes have a bit of fun with Bible college students and say, why did Nicodemus come by night? People often have these theories of why he came by night. Well, we don't, we're not told, really, are we? He may have been afraid to come by that day. Jesus might have been too busy in the day. Nicodemus, we don't know, but he came by night. Bless God he came, because out of that coming to Jesus, he's had an encounter with Christ, hasn't he? A life-changing encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said in verse 3, said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Except a man, a woman, a person be born again, he or she cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you, you, you're telling me that you know I've come from the kingdom of God. You know I've come from God. And I'm telling you that you can't even see. You will not see that kingdom that I'm from unless you're born again. Now born again is a contentious word. That can get you a smack in the face. That can get you an abuse when you start being talked talk about being born again. And there's a, 
a bit of a tautology that people sometimes speak about being a born-again Christian. Well, if you're a Christian, you're born again. If you're born again, you're a Christian. So it is a tautology, if you can look that word up. So, so there's a redundancy in saying a person is a born-again Christian. And a person who is born again, born of the Spirit of God, is a Christian, aren't they? Is a Christian. And, you know, there are many people who say they're a Christian, but they're not born again. So they're not a Christian. They have, might, have, might try to take the name on, but they're not a Christian. And then Nicodemus, thinking naturally, and maybe you and I would have done the same thing, said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now we, we know, even us fathers know the answer to that is no. Because he's thinking naturally, isn't he? Jesus is talking about things spiritual, things from God, the kingdom of God, and Nicodemus is thinking on the natural plane, about natural things, how he no doubt was born from his mum. And Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, except the man be born of water and of the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He can't enter into the kingdom of God. He said, unless you're born again, you won't even see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born water of the Spirit, you won't enter into the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, that which is born of the, of the flesh is flesh. Now we, we have flesh, don't we? Which is quickened by the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's dead flesh quickened by the Holy Spirit. Hello, Romans 6, I've been crucified with Christ. It's mortified flesh quickened by the Holy Spirit. Hello? And if it's flesh that's quickened by anything else, there needs to be a mortification that takes place. Hello? We don't pacify or pander to the flesh, we mortify the flesh. Hello? That's what the Bible says. And he's saying, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. If we do things in our own strength, in our own flesh, then we give birth to things. And the Bible says, what? Unless, unless the Lord builds a house, the labourers labour in vain. See, if we're doing works of the flesh, thinking we're pleasing God, the Bible says that what our own righteousness is as filthy rags. So, Flesh gives birth to flesh, both in the birthing sense and in the sense of what we might do. Hello. And then he said, he said, uh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is working, he's building what spiritual things, which may have some natural appearance and natural form. And Jesus is saying that that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, is spiritual. And the Bible says only the spiritual man can discern the things of God, for God is spirit. So before you and I received Jesus in our heart, before you and I were born again, we had no understanding or revelation of God. People, sometimes you meet people who say, oh, I'm a very spiritual person. Well, it's not the Spirit of God if they're not born again. And then there are things like, you know, we had, had people who were saying, oh, we're going to get involved in, in the Aboriginal spirituality because it's really, really, and it's very godly. Saying, no, it's not. It's full of demons. It's demonic. It's satanic. So that to have a relationship with God, we must be born again. And Jesus 
said, marvel not, in verse 7, that I said to you, you must be born again. You see, and the word for people today is you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And in the numbers of times that I've been preaching and so forth to unsaved people and whatever, you need Jesus. That's the message for everybody. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. We need an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person needs an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we decide differently. Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus which is called Christ? The crowd cried out, crucify him. Pilate wanted to let him go. How stupid was Pilate? To listen to the crowd when he wanted to let him go. And he said, marvel not that I that I said to you, you must be born again. So the message is, you need Je- everybody needs Jesus. Our family, our friends, our relatives, everybody needs Jesus. And sometimes it's hard to say to someone close to us, you need Jesus. It's sometimes easier to say that to a perfect stranger. Hello. And said this before, if you and I are walking down the street and someone comes up and starts abusing us or carrying on or whatever, we can pretty easily go, who are you and so what? You don't mean anything to me, what you're saying. But when someone close to us does or says something, oh how harmful it can be, oh how hurtful it can be because the person has a closeness to our heart. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And then he said, the wind blows where it will and you hear the sound of it but you can't tell where it comes, the wind comes from and where it goes. So it is for everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't, you look at someone, you can't necessarily tell whether they're born again. But I tell you what, as soon as someone opens their mouth, you get an idea. Hello? I've worked with the odd person or two and... uh, you know, some have said, I'm a Christian, and then they start cursing Christ, and you think, well, you can say what you like, but yet you don't have the Holy, Holy Spirit in you. So here Nicodemus is having an encounter with Jesus. Hallelujah. And the message is, you need Jesus. Well, who needs Jesus? Everybody needs Jesus. And why there are people um, running around saying we need Buddha? saying we need Muhammad, saying we need ourselves, saying we need all sorts of things. But it's Jesus that we need. Every person needs Jesus. Every person needs Jesus. Because without Christ coming into our heart, we'd never be born again. Without humbling ourselves and receiving Jesus, we can't be born again of our own flesh, of our own works, of our own, of our own effort. And... The Bible says in Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other. Just have a look there. 4.12 Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name or no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. Your name, my name, any other name. No other name, no other name than the name of Jesus. 
Noabanaim. Now, is that being uh, narrow? Yes. Is that being uh, exclusive? Yes. Is that being discriminatory? Yes. But that's the truth of God, isn't it? But it's not being excluding in the sense that any person is able to receive Jesus. There is no restriction, is there, on who can receive Jesus. Salvation is open to all. And it says here, uh, in verse 11, this is the stone, well, back in 10, be it known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. And this is the man who was healed at the gate of the temple. This is the stone, this Jesus is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. Now, born again, salvation, saved, become a Christian. They're all the same with different words being used. When we talk about saved, we talk about being born again. When we talk about becoming a Christian, we talk about being born again. When we talk about being born again, we talk about being saved. We talked about becoming a Christian, don't we? And he said, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That's what God said. That's, that's what. That's the truth. That's the truth. So does that mean I can be good enough in some way to be right with God? I can be smart enough? See, we... we uh, going to be with the Lord now, we knew a lady, her daughter had, was in the Guinness Book of Records as a person uh, who had the most university degrees. She had degrees and degrees, she spent all the time, very obviously very smart, but she spent all the time just getting more degrees and more degrees and more degrees and more degrees and more degrees. And, more degrees. and you think, wow, that person's got to be clever and diligent and all of the other, all of the other things. And uh, I remember one time being uh, invited to go to a place that was showing a healing film and, and someone said, uh, I said, but what about Fred Hollows, Dr. Fred Hollows? Surely for what he's done, he'd be right with God. Now, bless God for his, his the part of this life. I don't know whether the man gave his life to Jesus or not. And what I said was, well, it doesn't matter what he did in that sense. And what he did was wonderful and his wife Gabby's carrying on the work and lots of people are being helped. But no person, including that, that uh, man, will be right with God except through Jesus. So, and which shocked a few of the, the people that were there and there was a bit of a discussion ensued and I said, well, the Bible says that... Uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one comes to the Father but by me. See, that man, Nicodemus, back in John 3, he had an encounter with Jesus, didn't he? And then Jesus is now talking to him about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He's talking to him about spiritual things. 
which only the spiritual man can discern. And then down in verse 16 of John chapter 3, it said, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. You can put your name, I can put my name in for that, including, which includes you and it includes me, doesn't it? And he said, So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Therese was talking about that. See, when we become the children of God, God loves us with the same love, by the same amount that he loves his only begotten son, Jesus. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? When we have an encounter with Jesus and we receive him as Lord and Saviour, we become a child of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And the Bible says if you become a child, we become an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. And I mentioned before, in a blood covenant, with God the Father through the precious blood of Jesus. He said that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have everlasting life because you and I have a never-dying soul and a never-dying spirit. It doesn't stop when our body stops. It exists for all of eternity. And the decision for each person is where am I going to spend that eternity. Am I going to spend it in the lake of fire being tormented or am I going to spend it in the beauty and the glory of, of God in heaven? We make a choice, don't we, in this life. The Bible says there's no petition beyond the grave. Once you're dead, bang, it's over. You've made your choice. And then in verse 17, which I've always found uh, interesting, it said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation. Why? Because the world is condemned already. When Adam sinned, when Eve sinned, when they sinned, original sin came into the world and everybody is under the condemnation of death. So Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation, it says, uh, but that the world through him might be saved. That salvation for the whole world is available through Jesus and him alone. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Can you imagine what it must have been like for the Lord to come out of heaven, to come out of glory and to have a realisation that his life was the ransom for each person living to live. Each person, his life, the responsibility on him for each life. We bless God that Jesus went to the cross to finish his work. Amen. 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 And then in verse 18 it says, He that believes on Jesus is not condemned. See, we're not to live under condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Want to get into condemnation? Get yourself back in the flesh. You'll get under condemnation. But we walk in the Spirit. He said, uh, is not condemned. But he that does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is that condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. And Oda have the revelation that, what does the Bible say? Those are down sittings, our uprisings, comings in, goings out, thoughts are far. 
Not a word forming on our tongue that he doesn't know the end of it. David said, Lord, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your presence? So I'll descend into hell, you're there. If I descend into heaven, you're there. The darkness of night is like the brightness of the noonday sun to you. God knows everything about us, doesn't he? And he knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. This is sobering thoughts, aren't they? God knows everything about us. And that helps us, doesn't it? Hallelujah. That helps us. And uh, he's saying, look, evil loves darkness. Evil things, many evil things are done in the darkness, aren't they? Thinking, oh, well, there'll be no exposure. There'll be no uh, bringing to justice of that. And uh, he said, um, for everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And um, years ago we owned a computer business and we used to, used to sell a lot of computers into Roman Catholic schools and um, I was down at Newman High at Wentworthville and they had a parish office there and there was the parish uh, Brother John who was the parish administrator and um, uh, he bought a fax machine from us and um, he said we fax everything to the Vatican he said because the Italian post office has a habit of having strikes and when they have a strike they just burn all the mail. Said so we fax everything to and from the Vatican to make sure it gets through. And uh, this this brother John he said, All of my life God has used me as an exposer of something evil. He said, wherever I've gone, if there's anything evil or wrong or underhand or corrupt, he said, it'll be exposed. He said, I had a job before, I, even before he became a, a brother. He said, I was working for Grace Brothers and someone was going on holidays and they moved me into that section, the blind section. And he said, um, very quickly it came to light that the person who ran that was uh, a <laughs> hand in the till. See, so, so God knows what's, what's evil and he'll expose it. And what I've found is, when you and I come into the presence and company of people, well, the Holy Spirit is working, isn't he? No, yeah. We may not see him, and conviction does take place. Hello. Sometimes people get very angry or they get something, you think, well, I haven't done anything, I haven't said anything, don't really know this person, and it's the Holy Spirit, what, bringing you conviction? And I you know, read that thing out a while ago with Charles Finney where he, just, he, he walked into the factory. And a woman cried out, Your presence, your righteousness convicts me of my sin. Hello. Oh, that we would walk like that. But that's scary at the same time, isn't it? And um, Dawn's been watching some uh, Jesse DePlantis on, on uh, YouTube a little bit lately. And um, if you've heard the testimony, uh, Jesse said he's at a church and big church, he's walking along ministering and uh, the, the pastor and other people are on the front row, he said, he's just walking along and the Holy, he said out of his mouth came, right, he's got the microphone and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, but out of his mouth comes this man and this woman are in an illicit sexual relationship. He said, and I stopped my heart almost stopped. He said, 
Where did that come from? Like, you know, they're going to run me out of town. And uh, he, 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 just, he just went... And anyway, it was true. It was true. He said, but it just came out of his mouth. He said, it was the Holy Spirit. It just came out of my mouth. He said, it didn't, wasn't a thought in my mind. It just came out of my mouth just like that. And he said, and then they fell down on their face right then and said, yes, it's true. We repent before God. He said, it brought revival. He said, but when I got back, he said, but when I got back to my room, he said, Lord. He said, I almost had a heart attack. He said, I, he said, I did. I almost had a heart attack when this came out of my mouth and I realised what, what, what I said. He said, I almost physically had a heart attack. And I said, oh Lord, please don't do that to me again. And he said, and it took a long time for me to get back to that place because I'd say, Lord, show me things. He'd say, no, no, you're not ready for it. You can't handle, you can't handle that. But see, that, that I mean, in, in everything is known to the Lord, isn't it? And how he brings that out, sometimes it's just the Holy Spirit comes on us with a conviction. We go, whoa, thank you, I repent of that, and whatever. Sometimes it is through, uh, through other people. And I remember visiting a place and we had a youth meeting there and uh, you know, prophesying for people, praying for people and a lot of lovely things. And then this young fellow just suddenly out of my mouth told him to stop, uh, stop tempting God, stop playing with God. Otherwise you... Otherwise you're in trouble. And uh, it was a very hard, very hard word in that sense. And, and uh, you think, whoa, Lord, if this isn't you, I'm going to tar and feather me and put me out. But it was right. And the young man turned his life around. So, so that an encounter with Jesus, and if we're the same after an encounter with Jesus, then we've got to, do some examining and see because the Lord changes us radically, doesn't he? We're a new creation and, and uh, we've got to keep walking in that and not, not, a, not sort of fall back and, and uh, go, oh well, I fall back into old ways and so forth because the transformation is radical, isn't it? It is radical. And uh, as Maureen was saying there, people can see you're different. Your mouth's different, your heart's different, how you conduct yourself. And Dawn, Dawn we were just talking yesterday, um, uh, there's some people live around the, around the place here. Dawn taught the, the fellow's sister and she knew the young man who's now in his 40s or 50s or something. And uh, we saw their daughter yesterday. And Dawn was saying that this young fellow's mother, before she was saved, said, oh, she caught, she hated me. Dawn said, I think she hated me. Dawn was a teacher. She said she was so, and so she said, I just, you know, I was afraid of her. And then she got born again. I think they went down to Penrith Christian Fellowship Centre, got born again. And she said she just changed, just changed from being sort of the person that you're going to hide in the cupboard from to, to being a, you know, a kind and a loving and very, very helpful, helpful person. See, an encounter with Jesus. That's what we need. That's what people need. That's what nations need. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you and I are part of, part of that, aren't we? Because that encounter for people happens through you and through me coming along. Sometimes you know, people are very, are very open and very receptive. Other times uh, we cause great abrasion. Other times we cause anger and all sorts of things like that. And, uh, but the Lord is at work, isn't he? Amen. And uh, here he said... And they that 
And he that does the truth comes to the light. So if we have nothing to fear, if we have nothing to hide, then we come to the light, don't we? Because there's nothing to be exposed. Hello. And he says that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. And you know there are times, aren't there, where we think, oh well, we're holding on to things, or we're trying to hide things, or we don't don't want the truth of things to come out. But for our benefit, it's better if if everything's out and exposed, isn't it? Now, it's like a wound. I mean, a wound got to be scrubbed clean, then it starts to heal, doesn't it? If it's got dirt and stuff in it, it won't do that. So, an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. And in Romans 3.23, what does the Bible say? Romans 3.23, just to pick that scripture out, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being freely, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Everyone sinned, but redemption is available through Jesus. And part of it is, you know, I was... Uh, Born in a family, I'd call us a, a heathen family. Maybe had some people. From my recollection, nobody in my family was ever talking about Jesus. Nobody in my family was ever thinking, you know, we, we, we're going to go to fellowship or anything. No, no, no. Just totally. The only exposure was at school, bless God, through scripture in primary school. I remember asking the scripture teacher, where does God live? And she didn't give me an answer that satisfied me. Because he lives in heaven. Well, where's that? In a little little smarty, smart aleck or whatever. And uh, in Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. The sting of death is sin. Sin, like a sting, leads to death. But the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. So you and I have an antidote to, the, to death, don't we? It's called the blood of Jesus through Christ himself. And 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And how do you get wages? You work. Anyone else know how to get wages? You work. So he's saying if you work at sin, you're going to die. But the gift, how do you, how do you gift? Hold your, hold your hands out, that's right, just receive it. And you open it and you appropriate it. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See the contrast of saying, you know, the, the labours of the flesh will bring about sin. And sin will bring about death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And all we have to do is receive it. Receive it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And let's have a look at Romans uh, 5.8 for a minute. It says, But God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And uh, I remember when I was a younger Christian hearing Marilyn Hickey talk about, she's saying, uh, God has a come-as-you-are party. It's come-as-you-are but sometimes we think, oh, well, I've got to get right and do this and do that before I can come to the coast. No, no, come as you are. Who's ever been to a come as you are party? Anyone ever been to a come as you are? Anyone know what I'm talking about, a come as you are party? Some rings up and says, come as you are, and you just come as you are. Um, 
big wet to have a bath before they go to church. <laughs> 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 and I, I, I told the story on Friday night. My, my sister and her husband had this young fellow, a friend living with them. This is a lot of years ago. And the guy was, you'd have, he was a, a drunk and a drug addict. He was just always drunken off his face with marijuana. And uh, uh, named John. And some years later, my, my uh, sister and brother-in-law had a birthday party. They'd moved house and so forth. And um, my sister said, Oh no, I guess John will be coming. And sort of thinking, you know, the same John, drunken off his face on marijuana. They're going, oh, oh, I guess John will be coming. Oh yeah, John will be coming. And then my sister then who didn't know the Lord said, oh, and all he want to talk about is Jesus. Anyway, he came and uh, this same young man, he'd gone up the north coast because he said, oh, there's a better quality of what you smoke up there. To just, And he'd met some Christians and he'd given his life to Jesus and he said, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was instantly set free of the alcohol and the, all the things to do with drugs. And then a mighty witness, and he's at the party telling everybody, you need Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. But he was a living witness because if you knew him before, he was a... He was a hopeless case in that sense. But now he's on fire for Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus who changed his life so radically. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And he says, For God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he said, Much more than being now justified by his blood. You and I, justified, just as if I'd never sinned just as if I'd never been separated from God, justified by his blood, the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Justified by his blood, not by my works, not by my good looks, not by your good looks, not by uh, our strength, our power, or anything we could do, conjure, manufacture, buy, or otherwise attain, but his blood. Isn't that wonderful? His blood, the gift of God. By his blood, he said, we shall be saved from wrath, from wrath, from the anger of God, from the judgment of God through him. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Hallelujah. Through him, through, through Jesus. And then he said, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more you and I now being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Hallelujah. And then he says, uh, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, the at one We're at one with God. The atonement, we're set aside for him. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And then, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Which one man? Adam. Adam. Through Adam, sin entered. Yeah, they yielded to Satan. Sin entered through Adam. One man. Literal Adam. About 6,000 years ago. The real man, Adam. God created out of the dust of the ground. And then he said, uh, sin entered into the world. For it's by one man, sin, sin entered the world. And death by sin. And death by sin. And death by sin. 
by sin. And death by sin. So sin entered through Adam and death came by sin. Just that verse alone tells me, don't talk to me about pre-Adamic races and all the things before, before that because sin came through Adam and death through sin. Hello. And death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. See, you and I were born sinners. The precious little baby is born a sinner with a sin nature. And it doesn't take long to find out even a tiny child, hello Alice, yes, Alice has been involved with some tiny children, even a tiny child soon expresses the sin nature. Hello. Hello. Very soon, boring. So maybe, you know, you and I might be deluded and think we never did that, but this is the truth, isn't it? That the sin nature is in operation until we receive Jesus. And then... Uh, for un, in that all of sin for until the law the law of Moses sin was in the world but sin was, is not imputed when there is no law nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come but not as the offence so also is the free gift so also is the free is the, is the free gift. For if through the offence of one many be dead, so he's saying Adam offended, the offence, the sin came to Adam, many be dead, all born with a sin nature. Then he said, uh, if through the offence of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, what, the unmerited favour of God, the, the love of God in action, and the gift by grace. You're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of works, the gift of God. Not of works, what? Lest any man should boast. Our salvation is by grace. We're saved by grace. And Martin Luther had that revelation, didn't he? What was he doing? He was on the knees, climbing up to the silica steps on broken glass and all this sort of stuff. And he had the revelation, no doubt from the Holy Spirit, just shall live by faith. Salvation is by grace through faith. Faith at work. What? Faith to receive Jesus. Where does that faith come from? That faith comes from God himself. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then, then he said, um, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, have abounded to men, has abounded to many. And not as it, as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offences unto justification. Justification. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? For if by one man's offence death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ shall what? Reign in life. Shall reign in life. We're called to be what? Kings and priests to our God. Isn't that wonderful? Shall reign in life. Therefore, as by the offence of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift 
came upon all men unto justification of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the person without Jesus is condemned. Under condemnation, feels condemned, knows about it. But now when we come and receive Jesus, when we have an encounter with Jesus, when we're born again by the work of the Holy Spirit, we are now in justification, aren't we? Hallelujah. We're justified before God through Jesus. Not through our own works, not through anything we could do. Then he said, For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. See, Jesus was obedient to God. He learned obedience through suffering. That's right, Alice. What he suffered. You think, hang on, obedient, suffering. How, much, how obedient do we want to be? There might be some suffering involved. Hello. There might be some suffering involved. Now, as Brian Fraser always says, I'm not praying for it. I'm not praying those things. But... It comes whether you like it or not. And Jesus learned his obedience through suffering. Hello. Nobody suffered more than the Lord. And then, moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That, that, sin has, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? See, we're dead to sin through the death and the resurrection of Christ. Amen? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? An encounter with Jesus. And let's have a look at Romans. I'll just jump off there. There's more in there, but we'll just jump off there. Romans and, and the... The thing about it is when we, when we say to someone, you need Jesus, you need to be born again, you need to become a Christian, well, we then have to understand how do I get from here to there? How do I, how do I get from here to there? Do, do I... Uh, and I remember Kenneth Hagen. He, he was dying and going to hell, if you know the story. And he's saying, but God, I went out and met the pastor. Because the salvation in that church was you come out and you meet the pastor and they consider you to be saved. Right? And there are lots of crazy things where people think they're right with God. Or I went to such and such a church and I got baptised in their baptismal and therefore I'm right, right with God because there are some groups around that say you're not part of us unless you get baptised in our baptismal. Some of them are not real far from here either. And you see, without Jesus, nobody is right with God. Nobody is born again. So we need to be able to say to someone, well, how, how, how do I get this born again? How do I get this salvation saved? How do I get to be right with God? Well, I think Romans 10.9 and 10.10 really encapsulate it. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is your Lord, and you shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness or right standing with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That's the Bible pattern. That's what you and I have done in some 
And the salvation prayer, God is obviously gracious and flexible because sometimes you hear people uh, praying and you think, mm, I'm not sure how that lines up with scripture getting you know, for someone to be born again. But I believe if you would centre around these scriptures, then because, I've told this before but I'll say it again, one time we were down... Uh, not too far from where Lavinia lives at some people's house and there were some people there. And this one lady, she was a Roman Catholic and having a lot of problems with praying and so forth and I said, you know, you, uh, you need to be born again. You need to, you need to receive Jesus. She said, oh, I'm, I'm a believer, I believe. Well, if you analyse each life, each person is a believer and believes something. Maybe that something's nothing, but they believe something. And and uh, so I said, I explained to her. I said, you, you need to pray. We need to pray, and you need to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. And she said, I, I'm a believer. I believe in God. Well, the Bible says you believe in God. Good. So do the demons and tremble. And the pattern is, this this woman could not say the name of Jesus. She couldn't say the name of Jesus. Oh, I believe, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. But she couldn't say the name of Jesus. I said, well, dear God. And so we prayed a bit more and she had a bit more deliverance and then she, oh, Jesus. And she, she basically asked the Lord to come into her heart and said, and I believe that God's raised you from bodily from the dead because there are people around who may have come and knocked on your door. They talk about Jesus. They talk about lots of things and what they talk, a lot of what they talk about is it matches the word but they don't believe that Jesus physically died and physically rose again from the dead. See, that's why it says you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, bodily raised him from the dead. Not that he's a spirit, not that he's the archangel Michael, hello, as some of them, some believe. Not that he's Satan's brother, because he's a spirit. And so that for, for someone, see for you and I, we should be able to say, I confess with my mouth, Lord Jesus, that you're the Lord of my life. And I believe in my heart, I believe with all my being, all my heart, that God, you raised Jesus from the dead. See, it says if, if you do that, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. So this is the basis, isn't it, for... for saying to someone, you need Jesus, you need to be born again, you need to be a Christian, you need to change your life. But we've got to be able to put some, how do, how do, we, how do we get there? Hello, how do we get there? And this is, this is basically the scripture telling us. So we need to say to the person, well, you need to believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus bodily from the dead. Do you believe that? Oh, I don't believe that. Well, you need to ask Jesus into your heart and confess him as your Lord. I don't want to do that. You see... The devil try all sorts of tricks to keep people out of, out of the kingdom of God. And uh, so, so then it says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed, speaking in this way. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all that call on him. For whoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's talking about in this way, isn't it? Shall be saved. How then shall they call on him uh, in whom they've not believed. I always believe there must be a God. There must be, always. 
And before I was a Christian, I, like when I was doing the school certificate, I prayed to God to help me. And he did. And he did. And I did very, very well. And, but I didn't, I didn't really know about Jesus, needing to receive Jesus. No one ever explained to me. And I was 38 years, some of you aren't even that old now, 38 years of age when, when finally I gave my life to Jesus. Someone said, you need Jesus. You're a sinner, you need Jesus. And then I, I received the Lord. So it says, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe uh, in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And when we were in India, we were in, in places, uh, some of the places, where they said that these people here, uh, some of them never seen a white person like you, like you lot. You must have frightened them, mustn't we? And uh, uh, never heard the name of Jesus. Never heard the name of Jesus. I think in our nation, hard to go without hearing the name of Jesus. And it, it comes out a lot. Most of the times before I got saved, I heard the name of Jesus coming out of people's mouths as profanity. And he says, got to hear. That's why you and I are here. Amen. To be able to tell people. And we're all different, aren't we? How we, how we go and how we witness. He said, and whom, uh, how shall they believe in him of whom they not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, bring glad tidings of good things. And I can tell you, when, when we were in, when I was in India with, with Lata, preached, preach Jesus. Preach Jesus. This God Jesus. He died, paid for your sin. Because they said to me, you don't have to tell people they're sinners. They know they are and they're trying to appease for their sin. They're sacrificing people and all sorts of stuff trying to get rid of their sin. And just preach Jesus, that he took sin upon himself and he paid the penalty. He took the punishment that you and I deserved. And people would just give their life to Jesus very easily. And this God Jesus heals. And they'd get healed. This God Jesus sets you free from evil spirits and they'd get set free from evil spirits in the simplicity of, of simple believing faith. An encounter with Jesus. And then that's one of the reasons that we, you know, we love to give money to missions and to people who are in other places because there's something... See, see you and I can be very familiar amongst our, our uh, own company, can't we? In our own family and so forth. And... Um, uh, someone once said, a big shot's only a little shot who's gone a few kilometres away from home. There's something about the stranger, isn't it? It would be easier for me to witness to your family and you to witness to my family probably than for me to witness to my family and you to witness to your family. Hello. There's something about the stranger. And that's why I know, you know, I've been preaching places and you come in and, and uh you know, sometimes we'll go, oh, and you think, I oh, know the pastor's been preaching that for probably the last five years, and you come and say the same thing, and people go, oh, and you know, maybe the same thing uh, happens in our company as well. He said, um, Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, truly, the sound went into all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, 
Did not Israel know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation I will anger you. That's talking about the Gentiles, isn't it? And he said, but, but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest to them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And I won't go further on, further on that. So I just want to encourage us. Uh, the other person that had an encounter with Jesus was Saul of Tarsus. Yeah. Hello. And Saul was going about, what was he doing? Persecuting the church, seeking out Christians, speaking against them. So they'd be killed persecuting them. Great destroyer of the church. And he had an encounter with Christ, didn't he? He had an encounter with Christ. So you and I had and have and need to continually have our encounter with Christ, don't we? We do. And there are parts of our lives that may need to have a fresh encounter with Jesus. Hello. We've got parts of us that are not, un- not under the Lord's subjection. Then we need to let that encounter take place, don't we? And in, you know, in Acts 9 there where Paul, where Saul, uh, he's blinded by the Lord. For three days. Now, Jesus could have done everything, couldn't he? Right then and there. But what did he do? The Lord appeared to Ananias and said, go to, a, go to the house of Simon and Tanner in Straight Street and you're going to find this guy Saul that you've heard of who's been killing Christians. So, so the Lord involves you and me in his work, doesn't he? Because it's not an encounter with us that people need, it's an encounter with Jesus. That happens through us, doesn't it? It can happen sovereignly as well. But it happens through you and through me. And then God used Ananias. He used Ananias. You say, well, God, you can do it all. I don't know. Say, no, he used Ananias to go and lay hands on Saul. It says, like scales came off his eyes. And then Saul immediately went and preached Jesus is the Christ, didn't he? He had a radical transformation took place. Uh, to the fullness of his life being given in the service of Jesus, amen? And where did he end up? He ended up in Rome. And probably why are you and I here? Well, partly because, because of that. An encounter with Jesus. So, our relationship is a living relationship, isn't it? And we need to maintain that relationship. And the Lord is willing and available and able and we need to be willing, available and able in, in the sense of, of spending our time with him and being open and available. See, in many times we do things and we think, why did I do that? Or why, why do I feel to do this? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. I've shared before, we were living in Houston for a year and we just finished having dinner one night and Dawn said, oh, I have to ring up my friend. And Dawn rang up the, the friend. She just, she just said, I just feel to ring. So I rang the friend and the friend said, how did you know to ring? How did you know to ring? Right? How did you know to ring? Dawn said, well, the Holy Spirit sort of prompted me to ring. She said, oh, and it was, it was God. And she'd done that many times with that same, same friend and others of, of, of you know what I'm talking about there. An encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. Let me finish Romans 8. Verse 31 to 39. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? See, in the blood covenant relationship that we have with God the Father through, through Christ's blood, God's for us. We are Christ the ends. Christ the ends. What does that mean? That means we're a little one, a follower of Christ, a little, like a little Christ. We never become God. We never become Jesus. But we're a Christ the end. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I told the story, I may tell it again, I was going to be sacked out of my job and they sent out this hatchet man from America and I'm reading the Bible and the word left off the page, I'll shatter the teeth of your enemies. It's going on the train, the train from Blacksland to the city, to Central. Just, I said, oh, thank you Lord for the assurance in my heart that I was safe. Said he'd smash the teeth. That's pretty, pretty drastic. That's a king hit, isn't it? And I said, well, Lord, you don't have to physically smash the man's teeth, but I thank you for the assurance. That fellow came out. There was a predetermined list. I was in the, you know, the management of the company and so forth. I knew the predetermined list of who this fellow had come out to hatchet. Guess what? He didn't hatchet not one of us. And he went back and got tipped out himself. But I had a word from the Lord. And see, that, that, that God is for us. And it was, it was horrific. This guy's coming out to, you know, to basically fire people through the company. Just bang, you're gone. Bang, you're gone. And uh, he never did it because the miracle of God took place. And when, I, when that word leapt out at me, I instantly believed it. I instantly believed it. I didn't get into an argument with God. Oh, are you sure? And it says, if God be for us, who can be against us. Why don't we say it together? Lord, you're for me. Who can be against me? Amen. 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 He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is it that condemns? It is Christ that died, yes, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hello. Who's making intercession? Christ is making intercession for you and for me. For you and for me. And uh, I remember Ken Chad preaching one time. He said, oh, Jesus is saying, look at my son, Prince Kenneth of Leffington, or wherever he is, <laughs> Warrington, Prince Kenneth of Warrington, Prince Kenneth of Warrington. He's in heaven interceding for you and me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The advocate, the advocate, you know, the, the, the lawyer, the barrister, the advocate, the, the intercessor. And he said, um, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? No. no. Persecution? Famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus, wasn't he? He said, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let me say together, Lord, I'm more than a conqueror through you who loves me with your everlasting agape love. 
Amen. Amen. And then it says, for, Paul saying, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, and in case I missed anything out, nor any other creature, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. What did Paul leave out of that sentence? What did he leave out? What did he leave out? He, let's read this again. He said, he said um, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. He left out things past. Why? Because he'd been crucified with Christ. Why? Because his old man had died and he's alive because of the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. So he didn't even mention the past because the past was taken care of. The whole, all things are new. Amen? So if you and I are dwelling on our past, if we're trying to, trying to, see and there are some ministries around where they try to get you to go back into your past and fiddle with it and dig this up and resurrect that and do all sorts of stuff. That's not Bible. We're crucified with Christ. Where to go on? Paul didn't even mention, he could have said, you know, my past, but he didn't even mention his past here. And I want to contend that that's because he understood the past is gone, taken care of. Hallelujah. And so it should be for, for, for you and I. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not my conscience also. Um, yeah, so I won't go into that. But nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why don't we say together, Lord I thank you. Nothing can separate me from you. Hallelujah. 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 Because your love is at work. Because your love is at work in me. Thank you Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. An encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. Yeah, Lavinia. Yeah, just. He showed me um, about that verse not oh, about six months ago, I suppose. There's 17 things that he says in there. If you add them up, there's 17 things, and that, in in biblical terms, equals victory. Praise God. So that's why we have that victory. Have the victory. Yeah. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. The love of God. See. Remember Pastor Gordon Gibbs preached a sermon one time on saying the basic uh, human needs, I mean there's Maslow's dog and all that stuff, Maslow's thing, but you know, people want love, acceptance and recognition. Yeah, there's Maslow's hierarchy of things, whatever, I'm not talking about that, but love, acceptance and recognition. And the love of God, we do receive the love of God and walk in the love of God, ain't we? See, it's, it's wonderful to have other people love us as well, but it's the love of God that's central to our life, isn't it, that sustains us. And acceptance, you see, we may never be acceptable to anyone else, but we're accepted in the beloved, the word says. And we're recognised by God. We're not trying to lift ourselves up, are we? But the Lord is the one who acknowledges that we're kings and priests to our God. An encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. And we're talking this morning, uh, 
about the about the presence of the Lord. See, He's always present, isn't He? And there's something special when we come together. There's a you know, the, the, the faith of God in me, the faith of God in you is joined together. The anointing on you, the anointing on me, there's a corporate, isn't there? There's an, an anointing that God has and that, that manifestation. And as we could go out of here rejoicing and saying, thank you Lord, we've had a fresh encounter with you today. And that the word, the word at work in our life lifting us up and that we would be able to be witnesses to our friends, our relatives, our neighbours. And in closing, could I just do one thing? Could each of us, maybe there's, we'll just go for one, one person in your, in your life that needs salvation, that needs the Lord. One person, maybe it's a neighbour, a friend, a relative, a, a, one person that needs the Lord. And I have one person, you have one person. Can we agree together for that person to come to salvation, to come to have an encounter with Jesus and be born again, be saved, be brought into the kingdom of God? And uh, might have been at the healing meeting. Um, Dawn and I went to Toronto, Canada one year and there was a young fellow playing guitar with Dave Marquis, who's a bass guitar player. And um, I looked him up... Uh, Bryn Howarth. I looked him up on the, on YouTube a while ago, and um, he was a you know rock and roll guitarist, married, rock and roll bands, and he and his wife were driving along one day, and they saw a tent, and they thought it was a circus, so they said, oh why don't we go to the circus? So they went into the circus, and it was a it was a gospel meeting, and they got saved. Right? They sat under the word, they heard about Jesus, they responded to the call for salvation. And they, he said, we got born again. So from that instant he became a Christian musician, a very anointed, gifted guitarist. And um, when our daughter was married, some of you know Kate and Donnie, uh, had visitors come from all over the place. But they had this couple, Richard John Smith, who was South African. And Richard John Smith had been sort of like a popularity of someone like Tom Jones in, in South Africa. Very popular, secular singer. Had a huge hit with Michael Rowe, the boat ashore. And um, he'd gone to Nashville in America, which is a big music capital, uh, to record something. And he met another South African there who was Donnie's father's cousin, named Manuel McGregor, Christian man. And uh, the, they got to talking and so forth. And Richard John Smith, who was a, a black South African, he said, oh, when I was a little boy living in my town and we, you know, we had no shoes and we were playing in the dust and, and uh, living, in, living in poverty, he said, one day we heard the sound of music. Uh, it wasn't Julie Andrews. We heard the sound of music coming from over the way and we went, we went across and so forth and there was a huge tent there. So there were probably half a dozen of us little black boys and we stuck our heads inside the tent and the man called us over. He called us over and we came in and he gave us lollipops and he said something which I can't remember. Richard John said he said something but which I can't remember. He said, but 
Um, you know, we, we love the lollipops. And Manuel said to Richard John, that man was my father. And he would have spoken over you that you would come to know Christ. That you would come to be born again, come to be a Christian, that you would come into the kingdom of God. And Richard John Smith, on hearing that, that he, that he had all those years later, maybe 40 years later or something, met the man whose father had done that. He was, he was impressed by the lollipop. He gave his life to Jesus. Richard John gave his life to Jesus and turned from being a secular singer to being a, a, a Christian songwriter and then he was, he was a songwriter and singer. And I had the privilege of singing with Manuel and Richard John Smith, not in the same class, but I sang with them. Um, but isn't God good? See, God has a plan, doesn't he, yeah. for each person. And we don't know what uh, God's going to do to get that person that you and I are thinking of. I'm thinking of someone right now. You're thinking of someone right now? Let's, let's agree together. Father, we just thank you for that person that's on our heart right now. Lord, we speak to that person. We say, you need Jesus. Just tell that person, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. He loves you. He came to save you. He came that you might have eternal life. So I call you forth. In simple faith, I just call you. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Well, we just agree together for, for each one that's on our, on our collective hearts, Lord. Lord, we know you're working. We know you're drawing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whether it be us you use with that person, Lord, or someone else, we thank you, Lord. Whether you just supernaturally and sovereignly work, but we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Quickly, Lord, quickly. Quickly, Lord. Quickly. Lord, there be some people, maybe, Lord, that we know who might be backslidden, fallen away, gone cold. Lord, would you touch them freshly? Lord, would you stir them up again? Stir them up again, Lord. A fresh encounter with you, Lord. Fresh encounter. Back to their first love. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, would you remind us to pray for the people that are on our, on our hearts, Lord, so they would constantly be in our thoughts, be, be on, on our lips, we thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you now for that, for the salvation, Lord, of each one. We give you the praise, the glory and the honour. Amen. Amen. When I got saved, I had an encounter with Jesus. But I also had an encounter with his father. He was the first one that really got my heart. Because mm. I didn't have a father. Mm. And so he met me. I was like probably on the floor and this is before Toronto or before anything mm. I would be singing to him and I would just fall on the floor mm. and I would cry mm. and then I would go to sleep Praise God So I think that the girls that went away and they had encounters that there's more of God there's the whole of God mm. That's right. And there's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So we want more of God. Amen. Lord, we want all of you. If you agree with what I pray, we'll say amen. amen. Father, I want all 
that you have for me in its fullness. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. If you need prayer this morning for whatever need, just come looking to Jesus. Just come looking to Jesus. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need someone to agree with you uh, for something that you're praying and believing for. Just come looking to Jesus and we'll pray. We'll look to the Lord together. And we'll have a cup of tea and coffee in a little while. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We'll be back here at 6 tonight. Pastor Danny Nalia will be, will be coming. Doors will be open about 5.30. And uh, we'll look for what the Lord will do again tonight. Father, we just thank you now. Lord, we just release your blessing which makes rich and adds no sorrow. If you need prayer, just come looking to Jesus. Just come looking to Jesus. And we'll keep praying for the people on our hearts. Yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, we could, we could have a cup of tea. We could have a cup of tea. Yeah, we could have a cup of tea. Praise God. Out in the, the good old Australian out of doors. If you need prayer, just come looking to Jesus. Hallelujah.